Everybody knows that one of the most important pieces of a hunter's kit is their knife. Whether you're looking for a fleshing blade, a skinning blade, or just a quality, multi-purpose knife for the backcountry, Yukon River Knives has what you need. They offer blades such as the Hunter, Small Game, and the Sendero Bush Knife. Yukon River Knives is based in Texas and has a unique mission goal in that a percentage of all knife sales go to support a missionary in Alaska. Now Dalton, you've experienced with these knives in the field. Talk to us about that. As a matter of fact, I have used a few of their knives and watched my good friend Remy use them for years with great results. They have a micarta handle that doesn't get slippery when it gets wet, and they have phenomenal edge retention for long skinning jobs. Go check out our web link on thenorthernhunter.com and that'll take you directly to Yukon River Knives website to see their full selection and order your knives for your next hunt with the discount code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout. And remember, nothing replaces a quality hunting knife. Alright folks, I want to take a second to tell you about a product I found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with. It's the Stealthy Hunter Rifle Cover. I used one on a recent blacktail deer hunt in southeast Alaska and it did a great job of keeping the salt water and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope on my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged. On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, my name is James Payne. I'm here with my co-host, Dalton Gray. How are you doing, James? Awesome. And Mariah Humphreys. Hello. <laughs> all right, how you guys been this week? I've been, I've been pretty decent. Pretty decent? There pretty decent. There you go, yeah. Well into our winter now. Yep, yep. Starting it's to get a little chilly outside. Little, yeah, especially in the mornings, man. It is getting very chilly in the mornings. And beginning so. of December is always cold. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. seems to be the time that it drops off. <laughs> you know, we had a pretty mild November, but. Oh, I love this. The, yeah. This ease into winter this year yeah. has been so nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, compared yeah. to last year, I mean, last right. year it snowed in September. The only thing I didn't like is it, it got cold and froze, and then it warmed up too warm for a little while. It's been really slick. The exactly. Roads, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but, that, and we got that rain, mm-hmm. and then it snowed on top of it. So it was good for a few days, and now it's just the ice that was left from the rain. The PTSD yeah. I had when that rain started falling <laughs> <laughs> from last year. <laughs> I had a bunch of ice on my walkway going into my house. Yeah, oh yeah, it was, it is was, that is that bad still? Oh or? yeah, yeah. Mm. It all pooled up right underneath the deck there, and it's really oh, it's like a man. death trap in there. But see it. It's concrete steps in a curved walkway yeah. that's still downhill and so it, you and can't it, like and stand it puddles still. right there and yeah. when it's wet and warm like that 
and it freezes, it doesn't chip easily. No. So I've had to wait until just recently when it dried out and got cold enough Mm -hmm. to actually take my big 16-pound bar to it and chip it all out. Well, and that's the same thing with the roads. I mean, you know, until we drop down into the negative 20s for a good couple days or a week, I mean, these roads are are not going to stop being this slick. I finally got my four-wheel drive working yesterday. Nice. And your pickup? (laughs) Yeah, it quit working. And I didn't realize it wasn't working for a while really? until I couldn't pull a skid steer out of my driveway. I had to unhook it, pull the trailer oh. out, and pull it. It was a long, oh. ridiculous. <laughs> but um, What was wrong with it? Actuator? So the actuator, I got online looking up, like, I need to buy an actuator, right? So I was like, well, it's 100 bucks. Is that what I need? Yeah. And I found a bunch of people saying, well, all I did was I t- turned the truck on. I left it in two-wheel drive. I unplugged the actuator. Shifted into four, waited till it said it was in four, then plugged the actuator in and it fixed it. Really? And, and now, I did that. And now it cycles back. I and did forth. that last night and it worked. And for the first time, I somebody's driveway where I've been doing some some work on their house for them. In the evenings, I have not had to throw chains to get out of their driveway. No, that's good. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. It's amazing what four wheel drive does. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's the only way to go. Well, I went to the range today. Actually, just just not uh, um, not today. A few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the time this comes out, yeah. yeah, exactly. I put a new muzzle brake on my seven mag. Mm, there you go. And I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. I had gone back and forth about brake or no brake on that gun for a while. I used to shoot it with the factory radial brake that it came with, mm-hmm. and you know it it worked, but it was really really loud for not a whole lot of recoil reduction, yeah. honestly. And so I decided to go with like a side baffle brake, and I couldn't get one with the right threads to fit my gun. And I I hmm. bought several of them and you know tried them out, and it, n- none of them worked. You know that they were all too big for the for the thread pattern on that gun. On your Christensen? Yeah. yeah Did you ever figure out which one it was or which pattern it was? Um, I believe it's half by twenty-eight. Half twenty-eight. Okay. I, I I think that is the right number. Mm-hmm. Um. A- anyway, though, so I. I actually came across a thread adapter that I was able to put on there, and then I put on a Seekins, uh, let's see, the Seekins ACT brake, I want to say it is. Somebody look that up and verify that the Seekins muzzle brake. Um, anyway, though, so I put that one on there with the with the thread adapter, and it worked out great. I mean, I shot it a couple weeks ago, and, man, that gun shoots really great as it is without mm-hmm. a brake. I'm talking like half-inch groups with the 150 grain CX from the Horn of the Outfitter line of ammo. And with the side baffle Seekins brake on there, that gun shoots same whole groups yep. with All that right. round. It's so, unreal. Uh, it, I saw your brake. You, you showed it to me when you picked it up. I happened to be at the store when you were. Yeah. And it's the Seekins Precision ATC muzzle brake. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ATC means, so we've got Mr. Uh, <laughs> I don't like tactical guns for hunting, but it's the advanced <laughs> tactical compensator. Correct, so. correct. Advanced <laughs> tactical compensator. <laughs> so anyway, I threw that uh, th- that side baffle brake on mm-hmm. the gun, and it actually wasn't the one that I bought at the store. It was a different brake. Oh, was it? Yeah, that one ended up not being what I wanted it to be. So Seekins makes this one. The, the one that I bought at the store was made by a different company. So yeah. anyway, I okay. threw that one on that there. One. Yeah, last week. Yes. Yeah. So I threw the the traditional side baffle brake on there. Mm-hmm. That looks like a really nice brake. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. I was able to stay on target through the scope at a hundred yards on 18 power 
muzzle brakes or my, my rifle scope. It was That's, phenomenal. There's a reason I run muzzle brakes on everything. So <laughs> now I, th- there are certain guns that I do not want brakes on, but that's another that's another topic mm-hmm. for another time. Mm-hmm. But for this particular gun, I tend to take all my longer shots with this rifle. Yeah. And for going forward into the deer hunt, that uh, when this episode comes out, I'll still be deer hunting, and so mm-hmm. will you guys. Yep. With me in southeast, and some of these shots on the beaches, sometimes you got to shoot these deer at a couple hundred yards away or more. Mm-hmm. And if I'm by myself, the disadvantage to not having a break is you lose the target in the scope when yes. the gun goes off. Yep. And these deer are like, I mean, a big one is 120 pounds, and that is a monster, you know? Mm-hmm. So the advantage of having a break when you're hunting by yourself on the beach like that is you can spot your impacts and make sure that you hit the deer well mm-hmm. or not, and that way you know, okay, when the gun goes off, you don't have to wonder, did I just sack this thing and it's laying there in the grass, or did I shoot it far back and it just took off into the trees and I have no idea which direction it went? Yep. So that'll allow me a lot of leeway with longer shots like that. And so at the yeah. new range now, there's a steel plate out at, I think it's 335. Mm-hmm. And so I slung, oh, nice. I slung some out there after I hit it at 100. And, you so, know, so I had to adjust my zero a little bit. It was off to the right some. And for those of you that don't know, Having a muzzle brake on your gun does change the harmonics of the barrel. Well, having anything Correct. change on the edge Correct. of that barrel. In, so if you, any if you weight, have a muzzle brake and any, you take it off, yes. it'll do the same thing. Yes. Or put a suppressor on. Any anything. weight difference at all or any device that changes the direction of the gases that dump out yep. of the end of that barrel when the gun goes off, that changes how the barrel reacts to the shot. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I had to adjust my zero a little bit. And then I once I had adjusted it, I went to my drop chart that I have for that particular load and i shot it at the 350 or i guess it's like 335 or something yeah and i dialed the scope down to like i think it was five or six power just just because and i was able to see a vapor trail at 330 yeah very so i I was very impressed with that i'm really looking forward to hunting with it you know like i said by the time this show comes out we'll be right in the middle of our hunt Mm-hmm. So hopefully I will have shot some deer with it by now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll be good. And, 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 you know, and that is the biggest advantage, I think, to muzzle brakes. Yeah. Because not at the, I mean, once you get up into the 375s, it can get pretty painful as far as the recoil goes. But mostly anything, I mean, you've shot 300 wind mags on, you know, without the muzzle brake. Oh, yeah, shot, yeah. You know, yeah. On, on my 7 mag, I never had a muzzle brake yeah. on it at all. Yeah. Um, but the biggest advantage that I found to those that makes up for the, the, the added noise is that muzzle jump. Right. It, it, right. Just, it completely, mm-hmm. right. I can pull the trigger on my 300 wind mag and it doesn't jump at all. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. bounce. Yeah. I, now, uh, it, you, you guys talking about this, I really had, like, I, I've got that 300 wisdom, which I, part one of the things I love about it is it has almost no yeah. recoil compared to like a regular wind mag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you guys talking about this and, and when we were talking to Clint a couple weeks ago, uh, and he mentioned he likes having be able to see the vapor trail, and mm-hmm. I, it just never even occurred to me that that would yeah. be be a thing. Anyhow, I plan on getting my yep. my rifle threaded for for a break this this winter some point. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and and you know that there are a lot of people that really dislike breaks for the noise. Mm-hmm. That's personal. Well, if if you're if you're yeah. willing to deal with that, then that is a hundred percent up to you. But and yeah. and for those that don't know, the putting a suppressor on your rig is almost equally as effective at correct correcting muzzle jump correct so you'll yep. still it's a little bit more expensive and it yep. takes mm-hmm. a lot longer to get yep. but yep i mean if that's if the noise is really that bothersome mm-hmm. to you i mean yeah. suppressors are always an option yeah, exactly and you know that like i said there are guns i 
I don't think I have any brakes on any other of my rifles now that mm-hmm. I think about it. But for this particular one that I tend to take all my longer shots with, yeah, I like having the ability to spot my impacts, especially if I'm by myself. And, you know, that, that 7 Mag is the one that I shot my, my doll sheep with a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And having the ability to, to spot your impacts mm-hmm. by yourself is very important, especially if you don't have, like, a spotter with a phone scope set up to be able to go back and review the footage. Right. You really want to be able to know where you hit something. Yeah. So, anyway, you know, that, that my 300 Win Mag is, is also a, um, a Tika, and it doesn't have a muzzle brake on it. My 375s don't have muzzle brakes on them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's personal, but this particular gun, I'm, I'm really stoked about having this, this new brake from Seekins on there. And it's not new for Seekins. I think they came out with it in 2020 okay. or 2021, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, they've been producing them for a while. And like Mariah said, you know, he... They were originally designed for their ARs that Seekins makes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm on their website now, and it mentions that. And you said you think yours is half by 28. I'm pretty sure. But the website, they make this one in two sizes. Half by 28 is 5.56 five, and 2.23. 5 eighths by 24 is up to 30 cal. Okay, say that's, so that's what my, my so then my is. Th- so then my factory threads on the barrel must be half by 28, and then I had to put the threading adapter on there okay. Okay. to get yeah. it up that to 5 eighths by okay. 24 wh- okay. or whatever that is. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I'm really excited. And and that's the gun that I carry in the wintertime, too, when I mm-hmm. go, you know, looking for wolves and whatnot because that yep. one, it gives me a lot of reach. You know, I, I, I can shoot a 162 ELDX in the wintertime for wolf hunting yep. and take some obscenely long shots if needed yeah. and wolves are an animal that i have no problem shooting <laughs> at oh yeah crazy well, distances I, come to think of it that's the, one of the only guns i don't have a break on is my 65 yeah. prc and that's exactly what i bought it for yes yeah. taking obscenely long shots at yep. predators yep. you know in the winter time when yep. they're very clear against the snow mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah i was just gonna say like that wolves are like my choice animal that I want to see a long ways away. Yeah. Just to see if I can <laughs> knock that wolf over at a long Oh, range. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. like, and I think, well, you and I have both shot a couple now, and your last one was a little bit closer, wasn't it? It was just over two. Okay, yeah. But your um, first one was like 350. My first one was a single leg. No, it wasn't. My my first one was 324, 328. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I shot that one. I mean, I didn't even have a dial on my scope at that That's point. That's right, yeah. You mm-hmm. had that red field with the holdover dots. <laughs> right. <in there>. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just, I mean. Which almost, works fine, by the way. It, it, does. it does. It works yeah. great. It was almost, it, it was, it was in Kentucky windage. Yeah. But it yeah. felt like it compared to the setup <laughs> I have <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Because <laughs> my dad's standing there ranging for me. I'm down, I, you know, I tried to stand up and I just couldn't get, I couldn't lay down and go prone because there's too much bushes. And you guys were moose hunting at the time, right? We were moose hunting. Okay. And mm-hmm. when you're moose hunting, wolves are like prime target number two. Oh, yeah. And yep. uh, <laughs> especially when they're in the spot, you're trying to find moose. Right. And yeah, I got down on my, I think I just kind of crouched down yeah. on, on my knees and was able to, mm-hmm. uh, at 300 yards, three, 320, yeah. make that shot and. uh that wolf was facing me, and I hit it right in the, uh, right in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Its mouth was open. It went through the mouth, blew, broke the bottom jaw, came out the uh, went uh, through its throat. Actually, didn't break the top of the skull at all. Nice. And uh, yeah, it came out the back, the, up by the by its uh, backbone, mm, cool. which which was really cool. Flipped it over backwards. Instant lights out. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that was really cool. Maybe I'm I'll pretty post sure it. I still have your last wolf hide hanging in my bedroom. Or in in my uh, in my spare room. Did you get it back? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that'd be nice to have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pretty okay. sure I've got that. That'd be cool. Yeah, I didn't cool. realize we got that stuff back yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, actually, maybe I'll post that picture up on my Instagram. Yeah, which you um, should. Yeah. I don't mean to interrupt our order of uh, 
things here, but it seems like a good segue. Um, segue. Uh, I was just going to say, mention, bring up today that um, we've, you know, we've been out for, for well, this is episode five, five right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by the time this drops, we'll have been out for a while. If you guys haven't figured it out yet, um, we have a little contact us button on the website, uh, on the top of the website. And you can find it on your phone or on your computer or whatever you prefer. And you go there, there's a little quick box you can fill out your name, your email. Mm-hmm. And uh, anything, any criticisms or you know, even better would be like, hey, this I thought this was really cool. Or yeah. Anything yeah. you want to say, let us know about. Would be um, Any topics you yeah. want us to talk if about you, in the future yeah. or any yeah. things that exactly. you want to, you know, any, any questions you want answered from any one of yeah. us or all it, of us, whatever. If we got something really wrong, yeah, mm-hmm. let us know. Yep. Yeah. We'll Tell us to, about it. We'll try to bring it up in and housekeeping in the future. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us if you hate muzzle brakes. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and, and on, if it's interesting enough, we'll read it. Right. right here on the show. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And if you go to the About page on the website, you'll see a list of, if you scroll down, you'll see each of our faces and names with dead animals and a little bio, and you can <laughs> read that if you want. If you don't care, I, I get it. I don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but next to each of those is a Instagram icon. If you click on that, it'll take you to our each of our personal Instagram yeah. feeds, and uh, I'm going to post a picture up when when this episode drops. I'll post a picture of that wolf skull what it looked like after after it got a bullet through the throat that'd be cool i don't know mm-hmm. if i've seen that picture in a while um anyhow i just thought i'd bring that up and there's also a company instagram yes there we facebook. have company facebook page the northern instagram. hunter yep the Nor- and and there's a youtube page i'm not sure if there's anything on that there's not anything on it right now I think by the time this episode drops there'll be some stuff on there there might be there yeah. might be yeah um that might be a, a post holidays thing, right? Right. Um, but we'll probably try to get the podcast up there by that point. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. So there should be an intro on video on there as yeah. well. So, all right. Um, well, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I just want to say thank you to you. I know you did a ton of work on that well, web page. So, if it wasn't for the three of us, none of us would be sitting here. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We appreciate all of our listeners and the. The feedback that we've gotten so far, and we appreciate the support. So absolutely, we're trying to get better at this, and fewer interruptions and fewer yep. ums, and right, you know, we're <laughs> we're getting more comfortable with it. So bear with us, and we hope you like the show as much as we like making it. So yeah, it, it's, it's this been is a lot blast. of fun. Yeah, yeah so. we enjoy this. So I found kind of leading into our main topic for today. Um, I found an interesting news article. This isn't exactly new news, and exactly by the time it this episode airs, it's not going to be new at all. But I figured it was a good lesson to the listeners, yeah. um, a good thing to look out for, and a good, just good realization that this, you know, another thing to look out for, kind of like the, uh, in the last, I don't know if that was the last episode, I'm all confused on what order we're in right now, but with the uh, the sand. Oh. The sandbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting yep. stuck in the those. The sand. Kind of another thing. So, in late October, there were rescue helicopters sent out from Elmendorf. Okay. And they were sent out after six snow machiners that had been stranded out on a glacier uh, just north of Paxson. Okay. These guys, they went out there just doing some riding. I think they were only out there for the day. And they were not dressed for the elements. And they did not bring enough fuel. Riding four-wheelers or snow machines? Snow machines. These are six snow machiners out there in late October. Now, okay. don't we, in, in Paxson, you, you do get some it's early snow. snow. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to judge on that. but Yeah. But, yeah, so these guys, they go out there. They ride around all day long. The report says that the SOS came through around eight or 7.15 p.m., so they'd been out there most of the day. Yeah. And rescue crew, 
crews were dispatched. They were able to get one, or they got all the guys out. Luckily, everybody was okay. Everybody okay. survived. One guy was going into hypothermic shock, though. Oh, so they real picked, close. Yep they they did a bunch of circling around with uh, the bigger plane, the and they had to actually light up the area because there was no moon, there was no nothing. It mm. was dark by the time they got out there. Mm. So they lit up the area with flares. They found the guys, got the helicopter in there. The helicopter rescued these guys and they dropped five of them off back at their truck. Uh, wow. It, it, yeah. This is all off of another uh, KTOO news article that we, we, we like to, to keep up with local news through these guys. And yeah. So this one is by Tim Ellis, just, you know, giving credit where credit's due. And, but yeah, so five of them were dropped off. The other one was taken to the hospital to be treated for shock. The one that was in shock, okay. Yeah, okay. and so just. So the end of October, let's see, I'm trying to remember. We did get a kind of a cold snap there in the end of October yeah. a little bit. You know, it was a little bit chillier. but mm-hmm. And they were so, quite a bit south of us even. I mean, they were down so there. So snow machineers, though. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not hey, a just whole for, lot um, of snow down there. Just for <clears throat> all of our listeners that are not from Alaska, yeah, a snow machine is a snowmobile. It's not something that makes snow that yeah. you ride on the <laughs> snow with. I, <laughs> that's true. For those of you who aren't familiar and with And if that, you hear us call them sleds, that's what that means too. Yep, yep. yep. And all so the same. these guys were riding around Paxson, and if you mm-hmm. want to look up where that is, you know, Paxson. And, and, and I think you said they were on the glacier? Yes, they were on so the glacier. So on Paxson North Glacier. There, actually. So they had ridden from the Richardson Highway, mm-hmm. presumably, and they were up on the glacier. I hope that's and they rode Not from. presumably. That, that is what they rode <laughs> Okay. <on>. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the rescue team was dispatched from Elmendorf, which is the Anchorage military base. It is. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yep. Richardson, is that right? Richardson, Joint Base Richardson-Elmendorf. Wow. So they Army. were the closest help, not Delta. Yes. And it was actually on College Glacier. Oh, okay, glacier. okay, yep. so, okay. So College Glacier, and yep. but but the helicopter and the rescue plane mm-hmm. that fuels up those helicopters on the way. Yep, came from came south. from Anchorage. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't come from Ielson, or that even is, from Delta. That Del- is kind of Delta may not be set up in the same yeah, way. Yeah, Delta for those might rescues. not have. That's the, what I'm wondering. Might not too. have the resources, but Anchorage. I I would think that Ielson, just outside as, Fairbanks, would have been the first choice, yeah. but I guess I'm wrong. But I mean, as far as helicopters go, I mean, you know, I mean, Paxson's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Delta. But yeah, yeah, yeah. By helicopter, but yeah. Um, so but, I I I learned something this fall, this previous fall guiding. We had somebody you know out in camp that actually flies one of those helicopters. And I'm not going to give any details on who it was, but anyway, I learned something about this rescue operation. So when you when you push the SOS button on your inReach, mm-hmm. they deploy a helicopter and a plane, yes. a fueling plane. Yep. And the plane rushes out ahead. Yep. Finds you, drops a locator flare or multiple yep. in this case. And this is a big plane. I mean, it's a C-130. Yeah. yeah so. A C-130 is a monstrous yeah. plane. And then they circle back and go. Uh, find the helicopter midway yep. and fuel it up if necessary, yep. and they lead them into the into the rescue into the rescue site. So that's how that works up here. If you hit your inReach button, yes. that's who's coming, and that's really interesting that they could deploy. So does it say about from the time of SOS activation to when they were contacted by you the know, rescue it, crew? It really. 
I don't believe because it, it does. Because it was dark. Because it so was it had dark. to have been a couple hours anyway. Because October, we still have daylight till what, 8 or 9 o'clock? Yeah, I'd say, yeah. I mean, a little bit less that far south, but I mean, yeah. not by much. I mean, they're still mm-hmm. pretty far north, it, all things considered. It's not that big of a difference. No. So, Especially this time of year. Yeah. Um, so it, at least, so it doesn't, it doesn't at least give any an details. hour or two, I would think. Which is pretty common. I mean... But that's, a lot of people get a false sense of security when they have those in-reach devices on them. But really, I mean, you think about it, that's fast. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, comparatively. That's a, I mean, relatively speaking, oh, yeah. being yes. that far off the road, mm-hmm. especially that, that's a long walk, people. Yep. You know, In that that's, remote of a location. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so I mean, that, to have help within two hours, is that's really a, it is, a it phenomenal is. resource to have access to. I just, I, I've known people that felt like they didn't need to bring all the first aid gear that they used to have to bring because yeah. now well, I've got my inReach now. Right. Or, you know, they don't need to bring, you know, any kind of survival gear. Oh, I've got my inReach now. And it's mm-hmm. just, it, you're still going to be out there fending for yourself for a couple of hours. Oh, yeah. I well, mean, it's going to be way quicker than getting yourself out. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's also going to be a lot more expensive. But just, yeah. uh, Well, actually, sorry to butt in there. <laughs> <laughs> in Alaska, rescues are free. Are, are they, they really? They are. You do not need... Life flight insurance in Alaska. Interesting. Yeah. That right. wasn't so in the video I, I watched. <laughs> I learned that too this fall. Really? Very yeah. nice. Uh-huh. Well, go Is Alaska. This federally subsidized or state subsidized? I, that, that's above my head. We're going to have to figure this information out and yeah. I mean, come back with that information in another episode. You know, yeah. and I just want to say, every time I think I've found every reason there is to love this state, oh, yeah. I, I seem to find one more. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to look it up right now. I was going to mention two things. One is... The inReach actually you can get with the inReach Garmin service. There is multiple options there are for insurance, insurance options. options. Yeah. Yes, and there like are. the 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 similar the, the uh, what is it LifeLight or the mm-hmm. one that you can get with your inReach for pressing that SOS button is like it used to be like eighteen bucks a year. It may have gone up, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, eighteen it's, bucks a year added onto your plan is yes. nothing because if you need it. You will be in a world of financial hurt. Oh my goodness! If you well, push that button without well, some form of insurance right. or and they also have State medical insurance if you're pulled out and they're able to help you. And all the, You can get the medical insurance and stuff covered through that. The other thing I was going to say is they cannot bring any of your gear. Correct. Correct. Hunting equipment. Hunting yes. equipment. Yes. But they're not, I guarantee they didn't grab those guys' sleds. Nope. They oh, no, no, no. No, they do grab the, five, the six guys. They dropped the five right. guys off at the truck. The last guy went to the hospital. But you better all make the, sure your yeah. phone and your wallet are in your pocket because if it's in your backpack... Yeah, yep. when they get there. there. Yeah. Yes, and you got to go back and get it, or pay someone to go get it for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing to remember for hunters when you're out there is that if you do end up having to be in a situation to push that button, and this is not to dissuade anybody from pushing it at all, right? But you will, if you have been successful on your hunt, you will need to abandon your game if mm-hmm. you get rescued by helicopter mm-hmm. because it then counts as an air airlifted. It, hunt. it breaks the law to yes. have your hunting gear. You know, and maybe that's something one of these days we can push for to get changed. If it's a right. rescue, they can bring your gear. <laughs> that's what I, I – it you surprised know? me a lot when I heard about that. I'll say that. It, right. Especially a rifle and a backpack of, you know, we're talking – it can be easily thousands of dollars worth of gear and a rifle mm-hmm. and a backpack. Oh, yeah. All day. And I don't know. that. I feel like we could do something about that in the state at some point. We can talk about how great the state is. Maybe we can make it so in the states – it's not, right. <laughs> yeah, right. But anyhow, I, I don't know. We don't it, have to it go does off seem on a tangent be, on that. Yeah. But anyway, so just if you're going to be going out there and snow machining in these kind of areas, I mean, you don't have to be super far out. I mean, these guys were right. four miles off the highway. Bring enough fuel. When they got stuck. But they ran out of gas. They weren't dressed for the elements. Right. And I mean, 
it doesn't take a lot to get hypothermia. I mean, really, it you can get hypothermia in above freezing temperatures, honestly, because mm-hmm. it's not has nothing to do with the the weather outside. It has more to do with the weather of your your internal temperature. Right. So I mean, there's been a lot of people that have gotten hypothermia in 50 degree weather. Right. Well, a lot of know. it has to do with um, it's just state of mind. Is it, you can get hypothermia yeah. from thinking that you're too cold. Yep. But uh, Dalton and I, you know, we used to go riding all the time on wheelers and sleds when we had a lot more time as teenagers. And we used to go and be like, okay, how far can we go mm-hmm. without fuel and we'll come back or with the fuel we have in our tanks? And we got to a point where it was just forget it. Let's just each bring a gas can or somebody bring a gas can because then we know we can, we have that little extra because you yep. never know how far you're going to go. You always think, oh, we're just going to go to there. But if you're snow machining, it is very easy to go a long way. Mm-hmm. You can go a lot further in an hour than you'll walk all day on yep. a snow machine. Yeah. Well, I'm not finding anything online. I, I I specifically remember looking this up and finding somewhere ah. that. So you know Go what ahead. this is a good time for. Go for it. If anybody has any information on this, mm-hmm. go yes. back to the uh, the contact information the contact that Mo page. plugged earlier yeah. Yeah. and I, let I, us know. <laughs> I created yeah. that page with love for you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I remember distinctly reading something about how you do not have to pay for for a a rescue flight mm. in Alaska. But if I'm wrong, you know, don't take this as gospel. Look it up yourself. But yep. I'm I was pretty sure that that was the case. I I, I could be wrong because I can't find anything about it online right now at this moment. So I will look into that, and we'll have to apparently revisit this another time and give you a definite answer about that. Yeah, because let's. that's. That's an important thing to know. You know, not that you should plan for it. No. But that's... Well, uh, and it's not like LifeLight or any of those insurance is are expensive either. They're no, not. But no. getting rescued without any of those or... You know, I mean, those helicopter flights are not cheap. Right. No. You know, and... No. I mean, you look at what it costs just to get an ambulance from your house to the hospital. I mean, imagine from the mountains. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's so... Those insurances, I mean, if you don't have the insurance and you live in a state okay. that would I, require it. I found something. So there's an article here on, let me see what website I'm on here now that my computer is going bats. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. So it says paying for search and rescue. Who ultimately ends up in paying for search and rescue or SAR operations depends on many factors. If it's the Coast Guard or the National Park Service, then they pick up the bill or rather the tax-paying citizens of the United States do. Neither agency has a policy for charging for SAR, SAR missions. What's mm-hmm. Which means search and rescue. Right. The concept of billing outdoor enthusiasts who put themselves in harm's way is controversial, but on the national radar. The National Association for Search and Rescue is made up of more than 10,000 volunteers with paid local, state, and national rescue professionals. So it sounds like it depends on who comes to pick you up. Mm. But if it's a military... Uh, so, for instance, like an uh, like an Air Force or a Coast mm-hmm. Guard situation, then they or National like, Guard, then, like then it is was. covered. And that is, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there are any other search and rescue operations in Alaska. I don't believe that so there are. I said life flight earlier. Let me correct myself. I did not mean life flight. That's that's like, the village one, isn't it? Well, that's uh, that's a life flight is like a medevac flight. Right. Yeah. So like so if you're in rural. Alaska. I'm talking about like a search and rescue situation where mm-hmm. the Coast Guard or the Air Force comes to get you. And that's what happens if you hit the button on your inReach. Yep. 
Which so, which one comes and gets you depends on where you are. Correct. Mm-hmm. There's different jurisdictions, correct. just like firemen have, just like everybody. But else, for so. an outdoorsman situation, you're not yeah. going to get a medevac helicopter in the Brooks Range. Right. It's not going to yeah. happen. Nope. You're going to get a Coast Guard or you know a, a, for the Brooks Range, obviously you'd get like an Air Force mm-hmm. situation. So Air National Force, Guard also does rescues. Air Force or Army, and yeah, National Guard. Yeah. So anyway, so that's yeah. So we did find an answer. Oh, cool. So if it's the Guard or the Coast Guard, one Guard or another. Then but it's covered. Remember, people, just because it's free doesn't mean you should doesn't mean you uh, want to use it. it. So um, be safe out there. Bring enough gas. Dress for the weather. Overdress if you need to. Actually, bring I, an I extra. have a great article on the webpage right now about how to dress for winter hunting. So Correct. go check that out. It's called uh, Five Tips for Staying Warm While Winter Hunting. So There is a guide that I know, kind of a segue off of this. Not a segue, but it's kind of a side tangent. Yeah. That okay. had a client in the field on a sheep hunt. and the guide got hurt, and the, uh, the, there, there was a helicopter deployed to come pick this fella up. And this was, you know, a number of years ago. And the helicopter said, I'm going to take you, and your client can't come because he's not injured. And, you know. Ooh. So anyway. I heard about well, that. But then he can't hunt because now he's not dead. <laughs> well, right. So you're talking about a non-resident <laughs> stuck in the middle of the mountains. <laughs> so the guide said, there is no way I'm leaving my client That's here. That's right. You you're me taking me. And if you don't, then you're going to be in a lot of trouble because I'm not getting on this thing without my client. And so they had to leave their backpacks and their sheep that they had oh. killed and their rifles and all their hunting equipment on the side of the mountain. And the guide had to send for help. And they were, mm. you know, that they eventually, begrudgingly, they flew both of them out. But they, now, now, now this is third-hand story that yes. I've heard this. So it might not all no. be gospel. But I, I'm going to ask one question, and then we're going to move on from this. Yeah. Um, but so obviously you can't bring your gear, can't bring Correct. your backpacks, can't bring your trekking poles, can't bring your yeah. guns, can't bring anything. Yes. Can't bring your game either. But if I remember correctly, and I read this, and this is why I'm going to ask the question, form this as a question, because... Maybe you guys know. You can go recover your gear, your backpack, your gun, your everything uh-huh. like that. You abandon your trophy animal, if I remember correctly. I you, don't think you, you can ab- stash it and go pick up the head or anything I don't like see that. why you couldn't do that. You just can't I, fly it out. And that's what I'm asking. Is, is, I'm not saying that as any kind of statement. I'm saying well, if I remember right, there, there I the way I read it is because then it counts as a helicopter hunt. And so you can't, it, it was then an illegally claimed animal, and you, it, you can't claim it under your harvest ticket is the way I understood But it. if you kill an animal and don't claim it, then you're poaching. Then it's wanton and waste. And you've broken another law, and it's wanton waste. Exactly. You break I multiple laws where, if you don't claim it. That's where it surprised me that that, but I, I that's the way it was explained to me, and if, I want to clarify yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure where that came from, but I, that, I've never heard that before. Okay. Okay. If you've either. harvested an animal on a legal hunt inside the game mm-hmm. laws and then you get a helicopter after the fact that's not a helicopter aided operation you cannot transport i believe the regulations state that you cannot transport the animal with a helicopter i right. don't believe it states that you can't be transported out of there okay. with a helicopter yeah. like you could kill in, it okay in extenuating it, and again any, right. anybody listening to this that hasn't you know Steadfast yeah. information on right. this. Let us know because that's the way I, it was explained to me. And so, if it was explained to me incorrectly, I'd like that to be. Yeah. Corrected. If we've got a search and rescue guy out here that's listening that has experience in these situations and can tell us some stories or 
clarify some of this oh, stuff, yeah. we'd have you. We'd probably have you on the podcast. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. reach out. This In is no something time. that a lot of people don't really know that much about, including mm. us. But, if you can't yeah. tell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us would benefit from knowing more about this. Oh, because absolutely. It's uh, you know. I, you don't want to live in fear of a, of a potential problem, you know, mm-hmm. live like you're going to get struck by lightning. But at the same time, preparedness goes exactly. a long ways yes. in a bad situation. The, there's a big difference between preparedness and ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah, though, yeah, it, yeah. even oh, if yeah. they might look the same on the outside. Right. So. Right. So anyway, yeah, something we can talk about going down the road as well. We can, yeah. we can learn more about this as we go. So anywho, I was wanting to talk about, before we dive into our main topic here, I was wanting to get into... Uh, the Alaska draw system real fast because this episode is going to be dropping on the 12th. Is that correct? Yes. Mm, I believe so. December 12th? Yes. So that means anyone listening to this, if you have not yet, you have three days to get your draw permit submitted because the cutoff is December 15th. But it's not just December 15th. It's December 15th at what time? Mm. I believe it's earlier than midnight. And I know that because one year, <laughs> 5 p.m. December fifteenth, exactly. There you go. There was one so. year I remembered it like yep. the day of. I don't know if somebody talked about it on a podcast or what yeah. it was, <laughs> but I was like, okay, oh yeah, I got to do that. I went home, I pulled my computer out, and it was and it was up. too late because yep. it yeah. So December fifteenth yep. at five. Okay. Yes. And so and most of us, I mean, we we usually have them in pretty early, um, but yeah. So if you haven't, get out there. And and get this. You just go to the ADFNG website. It's right there on the main page. Yep. You just push a button. It'll take you right where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know much about this system, uh, what you're going to be looking for is called the Alaska Drawing Permit Hunt Supplement. And that's a document that you can look up online. You can look it up. Uh, you, you can get it. I have a paper version right here in front of me that I got from the Fish and Game office. You can get it at Sportsman's Warehouse. Probably Frontier any, Outfitters. Yeah, Frontier yeah. Outfitters, any of those places. And it might look a little daunting at first, but I, I promise you it's not that hard. Start uh, reading it. You'll figure it out. Yeah, it, yeah, just like the regs book, you just put your nose in it and just dedicate an hour to breaking this thing down. What you're going to look at, the, the part I did want to go on, over with, with listeners is it breaks it down by species. Mm-hmm. And then by unit. So you don't go in there looking for a specific unit. It, moose is kind of a different type. There's nine pages of moose hunts in here. Yeah. Um, but your, your first ones are going to be looking at your black bear, your bison, your caribou, your elk. And then it breaks it down on which area you want to hunt. The important thing to look at is you look at the hunt number, which is, unless it's a youth hunt, always going to start with a D. So D-E, you know, D-I, some sort of, and then followed by three, char- three numbers. When you go to the back of your book, you're going to see the results from the year prior. You can see how many people applied for that exact tag, how many permits they actually allowed, because sometimes it's not always the same number as they advertise, mm-hmm. and then what your actual percentage number of getting that draw is. So before Do you go have, throwing uh, money at some of these tags, you might want to look and see if you have a less than 1% chance of draw, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I still put in for several of those mm-hmm. anyway. Just Do they have um, harvest amounts on there too? Typically, they do. Okay. Um, so if there is a, uh, if they preemptively know that there's going to be an early shutdown if they meet a certain limit mm-hmm. or that there is a risk of, uh, you know, some kind of emergency order like they did with uh, Unit 13, Caribou, and the Milching right. Herd, then they'll, they'll state it in here ahead of time. So you'll kind of have a heads up. Right. 
but what I mean is, is there um in that list on the back of how many tags they gave out and who how many people got them? Oh, is yeah. there a list of how many successful hunts? No. Okay. No, it doesn't give that at all. So all you'll have to go to probably a third party. The for applications that. received, the permits available, and the and the percentage your percentage chance of getting drawn. That information is out there though. You can find right. that information. Go hunt has has that information i believe right? go hunt has a lot of that and I honestly was, if I you dig deep enough on adf and g yeah. you'll probably um, find it on there you'll too. be able to find that data yep yeah i i was just gonna bring I believe up go on hunt. x partners with with somebody too yeah go yeah. hunt has the uh the, the draw percentages and application strategies mm-hmm. on the insider that's honestly how i do it mm-hmm. it's easy i have found that the alaska draw permit hunt supplement just talked about by James there in, in the ADF and G website. And even if you get paper, even if you get a paper copy, I just think that that's a little bit poorly constructed. Just, <laughs> just me personally, uh, go hunt does a really good job mm. of simplifying yeah. it. You can click on a species, click on a hunt that you want yep. and just scroll through it and see the percentage of the draws. It's all right there. It's on your laptop. It's on your phone. It's really too easy with go hunt. So personally, I like doing it on go hunt. If you don't, want to go through the Alaska Department of Fish and Game site for it, Go Hunt is another option that you can go through, and that's that's a really good yeah. system that they have there for, for draw application now, strategies. And I will say that the web page, like I said, you go to ADF&G's web page, if you're doing it the old-fashioned way, and you, you, you just click, you know, apply here, mm-hmm. and it'll take you right to the page. Once you're in there and you're logged in, it is fairly simple. I mean, it, it it, it's laid out really easy. You're allowed six six permits or six draw tags per species. So you can either put all six of them on the same hunt or split those up across six different hunts. It's your preference. Yes. But now that being said, for someone that's a non-resident that does already use Go Hunt Mm -hmm. for other states, Go Hunt is the absolute way to go. Absolutely. For Alaska draw strategy. A lot of people use Onyx, and I'm not trying to say, oh, Onyx is better. (laughs) Whichever you prefer. Uh-huh. I think all three of us use mm-hmm. both. Yep. Yes. Um, I have Onyx Elite. I have Go Hunt Advanced or whatever their one mm-hmm. is. You know, Onyx Elite Elite also includes something called Top Rep, which I haven't used personally, but it is supposed to provide the same service. Mm. Maybe at some point we'll do a comparative review either on the podcast or in an article. Mm, but uh, there you go. Good idea. There you go. So I, it, it, even just looking it up right here on. On Go Hunt, I I just looked up resident doll sheep hunt opportunities, and it's all right here. And I in the last twenty seconds, I just saw mm-hmm. all the all of the results from last year, the highest percentages, how many people applied for each individual tag, and I'm actually kind of surprised at a couple of them. I'm not going to talk about which <laughs> ones they were. Yeah, that's but, why I didn't want to get into specifics. But. Yeah, and that's and that's highly personal. You know, if you if you're tight lipped about your draw spot, that's great. Yeah. Um. Loose lips kill big rams, so <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's a good idea to just keep your mouth shut about a lot of that until it's, after it's, you draw, and then you can brag about it. There are there are a couple <laughs> things I do want to talk about more specifically though that aren't going to give anybody's hunt away because they're new. Yeah, mm-hmm. is the fact that if you're looking at the supplement or apparently online, um, I'm old school, so I I like yeah paper. Yeah, but that's good. yeah, good to have the, both. Uh, there are four new moose hunts in Unit 13 for resident only. Oh. Um, that you can put in for this year and draw not, permit and nine new moose hunts in unit 14 for resident only draw permit. So, so did they, did they take away over the counter opportunity and subdivide these into draw hunts? I don't believe so because I was actually looking 
unit for wow. earlier this year. So 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 I don't know exactly how Go Hunt pulls their stuff up, but I know with Topra, I'm looking at it right now, impromptu review. Mm-hmm. Um is each state is listed and you can just click on which animal you want. Mm-hmm. A few quick yeah. selections if you're looking at resident or non resident. Yep. And yeah, uh, it gives you it gives you a list of the draw odds. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I clicked on moose and resident. Um, you know, and the number one hunt is uh point one percent draw odd. <laughs> the number one? <laughs> the well the uh no, the fir- the first Oh, uh, the first one, the one oh. on the top, which I th- it's probably yeah, it's in order from, but yeah, there the is first one listed. The first one listed okay. is point one percent, so I'm not sure. Say. There's only three <laughs> tags issued for that hunt, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, got a good chance of not getting that one. So wow. from the looks of it, it doesn't look like they um, that they necessarily took away opportunity, mm-hmm. um, but I can do research on that and get yeah. back to you on that. But it, it is, I mean, it's more, it's more spread out. You know, it's not just one or two or three hunts in a local area. I mean, Area 14 now has 10 different draw tags. Yeah. So, yep. you know, some of them are up to 100 tags. Some of them are only up to four tags. Um, and a lot of these are antlerless as well, which a little mm-hmm. side note here, any antlerless hunt that you apply for in, draw system yeah. is up to the local AC or Fish and Game Advisory Committee mm-hmm. on a vote if they want to allow that to go through. So when you're applying for those, just understand that, that you can apply for it. You can be awarded the tag and that hunt just might not happen based on population count if the local AC doesn't deem it a, a worthy hunt. So don't get too upset if that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, so it's right there on the front page. Onyx has a um, map you can click on that will show you what, like, I'm looking at moose. It shows me what units are all highlighted where there's moose draw tags at. Go hunt. I'm just looking at that right now. Not not to bounce back and forth here. But I mean, but like this, is, good. No. this is kind of like um, the, uh, awesome. Go hunt does have, have a, rap a harvest. Battle here. Go hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Go hunt does actually have a harvest success percentage <laughs> on each hunt. I haven't looked Ooh. to see if. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you want to know what so the does, previous hunt, so does Onyx. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Top right. <man. laughs> right. We're neck and neck, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with Go Hunt because I like those guys better. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm like I said, I I like them both and I use them both. And one of these days, maybe we'll get some of them to give us some money. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're probably a ways from that. Yeah, we're gonna right. keep trying. We're just plugging away at it. So. I mean, if you're well, listening and you want to, I mean, that's... Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you like us, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say no. I mean, there are a couple of guys from the Go Hunt crew that I... I listen to the Go Hunt podcast as well mm-hmm. myself. I'm I'm a podcast geek. Right. I, I listen to podcasts all the time. And the Go Hunt podcast, I find very entertaining. Those the guys, only reason... Brady and Neville, and the, those guys are funny. I'm and somewhat... And, and Brady, I, I would challenge you to find a hunter... That shoots as much as Brady does. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy is an animal. It's, it, it, but you know, he hey, killed sounds, a he killed like a mountain lion at like seven hundred something yards a couple of weeks ago. Whoa. So yeah, Whoa. sounds like I need to talk One to shot. this guy. One shot. That's how it should be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. He wasn't just sending hail marys. Yeah. So but anyway, sorry. The, the, off I was topic. gonna say the reason I'm part somewhat partial to Onyx. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you guys should have had to seen that. Uh, 
the reason I'm somewhat partial to Onyx, I really, I've used a little bit of Go Hunt. I've used a lot of Onyx. They both are great products. Yes. Um, you should have both. The product. Exactly. If you're yeah. really going to be serious about this, and mm-hmm. e- there's there's a lot of options, and it's very easy to transfer um, mm-hmm. points be- between them. Yeah. Um, transfer data points on your map. Data. Correct. Not yes. points for a draw system. Correct. <laughs> just just Correct. to clarify. And, and, and Since it we're talking it, about draw hunts. I yes. did that recently. Yep. Transferred all of my data from Onyx to Go Hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It literally took... It takes five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I yep. did it. I did it a couple months ago. Every waypoint, every trail, every anything is right. transferred. So, what what I was gonna say was only reason I'm partial to it isn't really because one I feel like it's better necessarily. It's because I've been using Onyx since I discovered maps mm-hmm. on my phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was using I was using Onyx before Dalton was. Yeah. I introduced Dalton to Onyx. I'm just gonna. St- <laughs> <laughs> there you this go. is before Go Hunt was a thing, you know. But um, anyhow, and that's only you know, it's that uh, first. Uh, yeah. Yep. It's like you know the first uh, bank you use is kind of the one love. you stick with, right? Yeah. But anyhow. All right. Well, right on. Well, with that, um, yeah, December fifteenth, five p.m. Get your tags in. There you go. You heard it here first. You heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> now that you're three days away. Yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so today I think we're going to talk a little bit about uh, winter hunting. Yes. Kind of tis the season yeah. to get out there and freeze your bum off. So. Oh, yeah. Or not. That is prepared. the one place maps don't help you as much as they do on any other kind of hunt is a winter hunt. Mm-hmm. Just That's very talking true. about maps. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. because you do not know what the depth is going to be. The drifts. Of, the drifts. Yeah. Of oh. the snow. Oh, of the snow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, and who, okay, go hunt on X if you're listening. <laughs> this would be a feature. Ooh. How in the world are they going to be able to tell snow I think snow that would be more depth. of a I don't I know. Think that would be more of a thing for Google Earth cuz I'm pretty sure that's where they get their layout. No, 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 no. No, no, no they no, don't. No, no. 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 no, they use I, a lot of other. I will not go on this show and support Google Earth. <laughs> I was using Google Earth before I used Onyx. Oh yeah. Because yeah. it's what I had. So were all of our dads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember my dad, he would literally make printouts. That's what my dad would do too. And take the printouts out. He would laminate Yo. them and put them in his backpack. Yep. yep. Hey, it was a good feature <laughs> back the then, but now. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, and and you know just for the record, I do have paper map copies when I go oh, hunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, paper yeah. maps are I, awesome. Absolutely, if paper maps feel really cool. <laughs> okay, yeah. Just saying, little, they do. Little yeah. Robinson <laughs> Crusoe moment there. <laughs> do you have your little compass and you look at the sun through your little <laughs> through your little device? It's called a sextant. <laughs> okay, I didn't even know that, nerd. <laughs> There's a reason I, I'm the one with all the knobs and switches in front of me, <laughs> <Right>. okay? <laughs> That's true. That's very true. You keep that as far away from us as possible. That's right. Yeah, I don't want to be anywhere near that. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, I, I think it's good to have more than one map system. I think it's really Absolutely. good to yeah. have. You know, I, I, I and this is kind of going back, but I have to say this. I had an issue with a product that we'll talk about some other time that I'd ordered through Go Hunt this mm-hmm. previous fall. Oh, that's right. And... It wasn't a good issue either. <laughs> no, it was a very, very bad thing to have happen with this product. <laughs> and uh, I had to order a replacement, or actually my wife did while I was out in the field guiding. And they they shipped it, I believe it was overnight, and in less than a week, 
in the middle of the Brooks range, I had a new inReach device after my mm. after the my oh, brand new one right. that I had ordered had <laughs> died. You know, it wouldn't charge, and so wow. I was able to contact Go Hunt and my wife was able to get a new one and send it up on the next plane, and it was all good w- within a week. Mm. So. so Big shout out to the guys yep. at Go Hunt. Yep. When yeah. I got back, I called them and spoke to the guy that I had spoken with in the summer about ordering the original product that I did that ended up failing. Mm. And I thanked him for really helping out with that and saving my bacon and get me a new one right away. You know that somebody living in like an actual city that can't get a replacement ship from their Amazon order. Yeah. Is like yeah. really exactly. upset right now that exactly. you got it out in base camp. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and so <laughs> in, in, in the middle of nowhere, I got one in less than a week. Yeah. So big That's, shout out to the so, guys so there. So question on that product, has the new one been fine? Yes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Just, yes. Just the one that I got to replace it worked great. No problems with it. And, and you know, even the best products on the market still yep. are going to have some oh, QC absolutely. issues every once in a while. It's man-made. It's, not, it's it was, bound yeah. to have a mistake yeah. somewhere. Yeah. It, it so. was, I mean, yeah, the product you had was a high dollar. But the point is that product, when that QC issue arises, how does the person you bought it from yeah. handle Correct. it? Exactly. You know well, I mean? and that's even exactly. more impressive that it wasn't the manufacturer. It was yeah. actually the distributor. Yeah. yeah. The, the distributor took care of it and yeah. refunded it and sent the new one overnight free of charge. And so I, I, I'm really happy with them. And yeah. I, I did use Go Hunt Maps. Mm-hmm. For the majority of the fall, there were a few things that I wanted to see them change that they have. Mm-hmm. And there's one more thing that I'm still waiting to see it change. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, for the you're most not, part. You're not going to put your name on the, on the header there. No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. no. Not, not yet. No. Nope, not yet. But anyway, so quick, big shout out to them. Since uh, we're still talking about Go Hunt. Um, <laughs> this is how they could do the snow thing. They could just keep track of depth fall and just put that down, just uh, you know, for areas. Oh, so just get like the NOAA snowfall, data. Snowfall depth, yeah, NOAA, something yeah. like that, yeah. And do oh. that as a map. But how there. do you track wind drift though? Because you, those ridge tops are going to be. You bald. can't track wind yeah. drift, but what they could track because a lot of places the winds have a pretty. There's a prevailing wind. They could kind of keep that down in that layer. I'm going to volunteer to work for Goat Hunt on a snow machine hey, and wait, ride wait, around and check. Goat Hunt. No, oh, I said Go Hunt. I heard goat hunt. We're okay, gonna well, back. I, I heard goat hunt too. <laughs> <laughs> I said go hunt, but I want to volunteer for go hunt on a snow machine and go out with the depth finder. Oh, and go. go out and poke sticks in the ice or in the snow and say it's four feet here and send a text. <laughs> with so our inReach device that now works exactly, because they got it too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We weren't going to mention the device. Uh, should I bleep that out? <laughs> no, okay. no. I think I already said it. Okay, too. but anyway, yeah, I, I'll do that job. I'll yeah, go, yeah. I'll go work. Okay. All right. We should probably move on. <laughs> All right. Segway. <laughs> Desperately. <laughs> okay. Get me out. <laughs> so when you're snow machining, you, a lot of times you're going predator hunting. That's true. I think that was a pretty yeah. good segue. That myself. was a pretty good segue. Yeah. Well, here we go. Predator yeah. calling. Yeah. So predator calling is, is, is honestly just a lot of fun. So I mean, if you're looking for something that's just fun to do in the winter time to eat up yeah and it will eat up your time it will eat up your time <laughs> because yes. this time of year in the interior yeah there are very few things to get out and actually shoot you know, yep. you're looking mm-hmm. at small game predator hunting you know we have grouse and rabbits and mm-hmm. tree rats what we call red squirrels yeah which you can't really <laughs> eat there's not any meat on I, them. No. I, see I, I i disagree i know someone that does yeah but i have you eaten them yet nope i don't want to <laughs> i would be willing to try it I've heard they're very sprucey. 
Yeah, I would. Is, I could yeah. see probably that. Probably tastes like a very leathery yeah. pine probably, salt bite. Probably <laughs> worse than a spruce grouse. Oh, oh, oh way yeah. Worse. Actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Way worse. Yeah, I'm a- sure. Actually, actually, on the topic of eating weird things, I, I watched a YouTube video a while back, and I want to try muskrat now. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm Have down. you seen the video I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm not. What'd you I, think? I'm not gay. I looked. No, <laughs> you're not going to do it? No, no, no. No? Okay. I'm down. No. Let's do it. No. Okay, back to predator hunting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for this time of year, predator hunting is a yep. huge part of, of the wintertime up here if you yep. want to continue on hunting. And it's a great opportunity to help out the ungulate population as well. Mm-hmm. If you specifically target wolves, and oh, wolves yeah. are yes. <laughs> wolves are a great option, and you could spend a whole lot of time and not get very much in return wolf mm-hmm. hunting, and mainly you're going to be calling them for the most part. Yes, uh, unless you you know you can get up on some ridges and snow machine around and find them and then mm-hmm. you know try to make a move on them. But for the most part, you're going to have to howl them in the shooting range. And the hard part with that is how smart. They are exactly. extremely they are smart animals. So smart. I mean, if they hear yeah. you coming, they're out. They oh, oh yeah. So hundred percent. Chasing them isn't really that. Now much the no. last no wolf that I shot, we did howl at, right? Yep. Because you were there when I shot it, mm-hmm. and we got them to come out of the trees, yeah, which yeah. was interesting because there's a whole other pack in the trees that wouldn't show. Oh yeah. Yeah. But well, and some of that can depend on on what kind of howl you used and and whatnot. Uh, the one. You got when you and I were out there, too. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yep. I mean, we saw that one. I think it was at 1,000 yards first off. We'd had the machines off for a little while, uh-huh. and it crested the ridge. Yeah, you and I were caribou hunting a few years ago when yep. we saw one. And I I had, uh, yeah, I spotted it on the ridge quite a ways away. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a caribou at first. Yep, yep. I yep. looked up, and I, I, I saw some movement on the skyline, and I said, I think there's a caribou over there. And I looked up to the binoculars, and there was a wolf mm-hmm. running around on the top of the ridge. No idea we were there. You know, we were we were probably pushing a mile over to that ridge. And uh, so we got into position and I started howling at it and the thing just came barreling in. Beeline. It's nice it was that. just yeah. running his light. Yeah, he was running yeah. for all he was worth. <laughs> and uh, yep. he'd stop at like 700 and I was dialed up and I'm like, I'm going to take him. <laughs> and then Jeremy was there too. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 just wait. wait. <laughs> just, just, yeah. He's going to keep on coming, man. I'm, I was getting edgy and yeah. it finally stopped at like 375 and I said, all right, yeah. I'm going to stop it. And, so I, you know, I parked at it or something, and it stopped, and I planted him in the, in his tracks. But yep. um, that yeah. was an amazing. I was watching that one. Yeah, not to cut in, but I was watching that one through the binoculars, and I got to watch that wolf completely do it a total backflip. Yeah. <laughs> well, he took a seven mag to the chest at three hundred something yards. Yeah. It's, they're not gonna walk away from that one. Yeah. It was yeah. pause up, man. That was <laughs> yeah. I've killed two wolves. With. Yeah. At longer range, I've killed a couple trapping with my dad when I was younger, but I've killed two wolves with um with the rifle. That 300 short mag. 300 short mag. Yeah. And both of them were opportunity. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that is honestly the way most wolves, I believe, are killed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, outside of trapping. Yes. Outside yes. Of outside trapping, of trapping, yeah. more wolves are killed from through opportunity than actually hunting yeah. them. Yeah. If you're mm-hmm. caribou or sheep or Unless moose somebody hunting. has yeah. a statistic in a study to prove us wrong. I, I, yeah, I, I, I would probably be willing to bet behind I that. Mean, yeah, I, I would I'm, too. I'm team Mo on this one. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, nice to know somebody's on my side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to get hats. Team Mo. Team Mo. <laughs> <laughs> I believe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, but yeah, and so there's multiple different methods. I mean, obviously, we've talked about a couple of them just with wolf hunting, you know, mm-hmm. calling mm-hmm. them, um, spot and stalk, 
kind yes. of long range spot and stalk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then off, obviously opportunity, right? Just yeah. finding them while you're out chasing caribou or anything else where they're out there. Um, and but you know, there's a lot more smaller predators you can go after oh, too, yeah. which mm-hmm. yeah. also help the small the yeah. small, small game populations. Game. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, the grouse gonna, and the ptarmigan yeah, and the snowshoe hares. Yeah, hair foxes aren't going to be predating on on moose calves or anything like that. No, but, no, but. <laughs> But yeah, and so I mean, there's tons of opportunity there, there for is. for fur yeah. gathering. If you wanted to go out, and do oh some, yeah, do some predator calling, get you a plug a couple different companies, but a little electronic com- caller, Fox yeah. Pro. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm I just use. gonna that's, come out and say, say it. Say, yeah. All right, let's debate it if we that being plug said. It. I have been on a predator hunt where a DeWalt speaker was used and animals were killed. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that's I've right. That. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with through an app on your phone, Bluetooth speaker, you got to be careful. App. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you know if it was a Fox Pro app it at was. the time, honestly. It was. was I, it? I remember yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But yeah, no, you, you just have to make sure you you turn it down when you turn it on because you get that loud boop 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 on that DeWalt speaker. <laughs> <laughs> How's that noise go again, Mo? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a boop boop boop. <laughs> yeah, I might I might be cutting that out. <laughs> Forever embarrassed. Can um, we get that on a hat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about would you get a T-shirt? You know? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 We have more room for it for all the syllables. In there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, any kind of a really good speaker will work. Oh, yeah. You, know, oh, you yeah. just got to get some some uh, um, louder the better. What am I thinking of the word here? Some distress. Well, and so some. that's kind of a cool thing is so there are apps out there that are free distress call apps. Yeah. Yes. Um, you can download them in the app store, and I'm not going to plug any of those names right here, but just go to your app store, call it. You know, go predator hunting. And those yeah, let, will let's come make up. one of those apps too, so we can. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good idea. Absolutely, yeah. But you know, the thing is with these predator calls too, like with Fox Pro, since we already talked about them, is it's not got to be a budget killer. Yeah. You know, oh, no, yeah. No, no, you no, can no. have. Uh, I mean, they, they make calls that are up there in the four or five hundred dollar range. If you're in some of those areas. Oh yeah. That could use that. Air, you know. Yeah. But I think the Patriot, which is the one I'm started off with is eighty dollars i want to say yeah it, it might be a little more than that but yeah especially in today's economy but yeah <laughs> but i mean it's not got to be a break the bank kind of thing yeah you know? i mean yeah. you just have a nice little predator call get yourself a smaller rifle and get out there yeah yeah something like a 22 mm-hmm. magnum or a 17 hmr yeah i was gonna ask yep. i was gonna ask what you specifically recommend having probably done the most predator you know here. i, I I'm really a big fan of the 22 Magnum with like okay. a 45. I know for a grain. while there you were a little bit yeah, iffy yeah. on that, but I, so when I'm specifically in an area where I don't think I'm going to call in a coyote, mm-hmm. I'm I'm perfectly fine using a 22 Magnum. Yep, that is plenty enough horsepower to to kill a lynx or a fox. Oh, what yeah. type of bullet do you want in that? I have had you know multiple people that I know uh, that use mm-hmm. 22 mags mm-hmm. quite a bit. And you know, I, I haven't shot anything with a 22 mag. I've always shot predators opportunistically. Mm-hmm. Yep. And but the 22 Magnum seems to work pretty well with that 40 grain bullet range, and actually, like just a cheap Winchester lead hollow point mm-hmm. works really well. I have a ton of under 150 yards. Yeah. Don't oh, yeah. don't always stretch under. it out. Don't yes. stretch it out very far. That tiny a little bullet. Of powder. Yeah. Now they do make a really cool load from Hornaday. Mm-hmm. 
30 grain VMAX bullet. I have a and bunch of those. I, I do too. I buy them every time I see them. For 22 Magnum? For 22 yes. Magnum are cranking out of, I believe they rated it out of an 18-inch barrel at 22. Do they call it like a TNT bullet or something like that? It's got a huge hollow point in it? Well, it's the VMAXs. These ones I'm talking about, the 30 right. grainers. But yeah, they got a, a red a red tip on the bullet. Oh, really? And they're so they're that's fragmentating. Little, so that's different than the ones that I... They sound like the same type of bullet, but yeah. it's not the same. Yeah, they're, what they're designed for is extreme fragmentation. So they go, mm -hmm. they get inside the cavity and they just explode i mean these things shatter right. they grenade yeah. and so yeah. uh, but these ones cranking out i believe of an 18 inch barrel are 2200 feet per second okay and that's what i'm running I in mind for this I year think that's what uh, I'm i, I haven't right. been able to get out and do a set this year yet but i got one of those cz 512s in mm -hmm. 22 magnum topped it off with the vortex hog hunter yeah so I'm, I'm excited to get out there and, and see what i can mm -hmm. nice. put down with that setup but yeah. so very cool Predator hunting, few things I can think of. Um, there's not much you can actually predator hunt off of a regular hunting license. That is mm. correct. So mm -hmm. most yeah. of your animals, you do have most of the, there will be a season for a lot of the predators on a regular hunting license, but it's like two mm -hmm. or something like that, mm -hmm. like two fox or two coyote or something ridiculously low. You need a trapping license, mm -hmm. and then you can hunt those animals on a trapping license and a lot of them then you don't even have a limit in a lot of areas in mm -hmm. alaska yes also in uh, there is the five mile corridor on the dalton highway mm -hmm. in that area you have you cannot hunt with a rifle but that's in the hunting regulations mm -hmm. you can predator call and shoot animals with a trapping license with a yes. rifle. You can shoot fur bears, fur bears correct. during trapping correct. season with yep. a trapping license. Correct. So the state if of they're Alaska, in season for trapping, now, I, not beaver. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that's changed this year. Certain units. Nope. Statewide. I'm pretty sure he's you can right. Quote, Seriously. You, you can yeah. quote me on that. Wow. Yep. It's wow. statewide. You can okay. shoot beavers well. now. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> you, you can tell I was I excited about doing. that one, <laughs> can't you? Yeah. <laughs> I like where this is going. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm going to be doing this spring? <laughs> I'm making a beaver hat. <laughs> <laughs> Show up in a beaver pelt coat to the fur buying association. <laughs> what are all you po folk doing? Right? <laughs> Peasants. <laughs> yeah. I'm of the upper class. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but well, that anyhow, but yeah, um, I mean, any of those small calibers, twenty-two, yeah, yeah, any tw of those twenty-two yeah. caliber rifles, anywhere from twenty-two to two-two-three, yeah. The the problem yep. that a lot of folks run into, I think, is too much velocity. That that, that is that yes. is the destroyer of a fur bear. Mm -hmm. uh, I've shot a couple of animals, a couple of smaller animals with mm -hmm. seven mags and 300 wind mags <laughs> <laughs> while I have been hunting for other species. And yeah, there's yeah. some serious damage that's done there on, yeah. so, on, on a coyote sized animal with the, with a bear gun. So yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a combination of that. One is velocity because I mean, if you push, yes, one of those big bullets going 3,000 feet a second or anywhere north of 2,000, if really. You, if you get a 22250, everything out the other if side. If you of get that a 22250 with a 55 yes. grain bullet, I, and I've seen the results, mm -hmm. you'll get a laptop sized It'll exit. Cut them in half. Out the yeah. size of an animal that doesn't even have a, lap so yeah. a, a laptop sized chest cavity. But so, the um, other part you say of that, laptop because that's what's sitting in front of you there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. It's a relevant explanation. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the other part of that, though, is shot placement. 
on these on these smaller animals is extremely important because if you hit the shoulders on a, on a fox, yes, you're gonna push both shoulders out the opposite side of that fox with a higher with, with a high velocity a, bullet, a, a, yeah, a higher yes. cartridge. Yep, yes, yeah, yeah. we're still talking about yeah, shooting. With if you're shooting cartridge. with, you can shoot just about anywhere with a 22 mag and yeah, 22 mag. Even the uh, 17 yeah. WSM is a good option. I did not know there was a 17 WSM. Oh yeah, you know what? You know what? You want to know the coolest part about that? What's that? They took the 27 caliber. You know those. Or those powder actuated nail guns mm-hmm. on the job sites that we mm-hmm. used, they took that cartridge and necked it down to 17, put a bullet in it. Hmm. Is that not the most American thing you've ever heard That's in your amazing. life? <laughs> <laughs> so that is the origin of the 17. So like the Hilti, yeah, it's cool. It's that caliber. It's that cartridge, just necked down to 17 caliber. I mean, I imagine <laughs> it's longer. Well, I mean, obviously they fire yeah. form them yeah. at some point, but, but yeah. <laughs> That is very cool. I'm going to have to get me one of those. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> they're rare. Uh, CZ makes some. Uh, I, I want to say there's, uh, I think Ruger makes one actually now too. In okay. The Varmint, Varmint series. But yeah. So the, the problem that you're going to run into and something you need to be careful about is shooting a frangible bullet like a VMAX from any shot angle. You mm-hmm. do not want to hit a coyote in the shoulders mm-hmm. right. at, at any distance. And by any distance, I mean like 80 yards or more mm-hmm. with that light construction of a bullet yep it will not penetrate like you want it to it just won't and i know guys that have done it mm-hmm. you know just the coyote runs out on the on the edge of the lake they get one shot they take it you know it's 100 yards or something and a- as a result they've gotten away a couple of times which is unfortunate my personal cutoff is 100 yards but that's yeah. because I, I have seen coyotes taken with yeah. a, a mm-hmm. here's another problem here's another problem and something to watch out for. Take a rangefinder when you go make a set mm-hmm. and pre-range all your yes. areas. That's yes. because yes. once you start calling, you cannot move. Mm-hmm. If Just you're like you're goofing yep. around with a rangefinder uh-huh. when a predator's yep. trying to come into your set, you're gonna blow it. It, it it's not gonna come in. You and can't, that's the thing. Is you can't have eyesight, any movement at all. Their eyesight is so much superior to ours, especially well, in their environment. Exactly. I mean, you you're out there making a home. distress call, and they're coming in looking for what's yes. going on. That's yep. why a decoy helps so much, like mm-hmm. a little correct, uh, like a little tail spinner out there yep. next to your collar or away from your collar, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's gonna distract them, and so they'll they'll be locked on that instead of you know watching oh. you move to get in a position right. to shoot. Right. So you need to be sitting in position to shoot with your rifle up on your knee, ready to go. Mm-hmm. So there's little to no movement when they step out. Because oftentimes, I mean, if they catch the slightest bit of movement, they're gone. Especially and cats. You do not get a shot. Yeah. So anyway, just something to be aware of. You know, pre-range your set before you sit down and start calling. And I was going to make another point, too. I've got a really nice Fox Pro mm-hmm. electronic caller that's a few hundred bucks mm. that that does a really good job it works in mm-hmm. 25 below 30 yeah. below it doesn't freeze up it doesn't have any problems and i can set it a good decent ways away mm-hmm. to get that sound away from you so that you're not uh the, the focus of attention yep but that being said if you're just getting into predator calling i would advise just buy a buy a couple of high quality mouth calls yeah. start mm-hmm. that way you can get better reliability and have better sets with good mouth calls than you can with the super entry-level mm-hmm. $50 Fox Pros. Yes. That's not to say that those won't work, because in certain environments they do, but we're talking about Alaska here. And our predator calling seasons are generally pretty cold. And cold yeah. is the death of electronics up here. Well, in this year, and I've they, seen, they pushed everything up to November 1st. Opens I, I, up, I've seen a number of those electronic callers fail. Yeah. 
So Th- that this being is the said, earliest season is what I was getting. At. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that being said, it's better to just cut your teeth with a mouth collar. Mm-hmm. Learn how to do that. Now the disadvantage of a mouth call is you are directing all the attention right at yourself. Yes. The best thing you can do with a mouth call is put a decoy out there because all the sound is coming right from you, and they're going to key in on that sound. Mm-hmm. Putting a decoy out there will delay their yeah. Yeah. Th- th- their uh, their ability to find where the where the noise is coming from. Yep. Oftentimes, if you're mouth calling away and you see a fox step out of the trees 200 yards away, you want to stop calling mm-hmm. and just see what they do. You don't want to just keep wailing on that thing because they're going to focus in right on you and they're mm-hmm. going to come straight for you. And if you're not dead set in position and you've got to move, you're busted and mm-hmm. they're going to leave before you even get your scope on them. Yeah. So, yep. And a lot of times, you know, guys will run a double set. They'll have their electronic call yep. to, to get the, the animal to expose itself. Yep. And then once it gets out there, they cut that off. That's exactly straight, what I do. You go straight mouth calls from there. So that way, if it starts to turn around, you can kind uh, of get its attention back. But you're not over. I've either. I've never heard of that. I I thought you were talking about something else. I I cut off the electronic collar when they step out. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't have it on at all. And nine times out of ten, that's going to work just fine, even if you don't continue oh, yeah. to call. If you have a decoy, if you don't have a decoy and you stop calling, a lot of times they'll still step out and you'll still mm-hmm. get a shot. Mm-hmm. But now a- another thing to kind of segue off of that after you shoot. Play the caller again. Mm-hmm. And I, I know some people that have, uh, I, I believe there is a sensor in the remote. There is. Yeah, I know what you're talking so about. So as soon as you fire, it senses that. And then your next sequence that you can play is a fox distress mm-hmm. or a coyote distress. So that, it, so that if there's a second one that came in on the set, they're going to they're gonna want to know what their buddy just ran into. And so they're going to come back out out of curiosity and see what's going on. Yep. Or it'll stop one if you shot it in the leg. It could stop and turn around and I see what's going on. I think that is only an option on the higher higher yeah. level. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Option. I don't think. Yeah. That sounds like something they'd want to charge more for. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it's a cool feature, that's though. That's expensive mm-hmm. tech. But, uh, yeah. one, one thing with your mentioned mouth calls is um, mouth call having a mouth call to tuck into your bino harness when you're moose hunting. Yes. It's a very good quick for opportunity you see that coyote it's always good idea to dispatch a coyote mm-hmm. always yeah. good idea to dispatch a wolf and coyote, it could be something wolf, yeah. quick as long as they're on. in season obviously obviously yes yes yes, yes. yes. yeah it, in my bino harness i have an allen wrench and a predator call in one side and a mosquito mm-hmm. net in the other side and yeah that's a mouth call never leaves my bino harness ever which, speaking of which so adf and g came out with an app earlier in the year okay and if i remember I correctly i'm pretty sure you can reach you can get your app, your regs, on the app, even without server. You can download them on so yeah, the you app. Can, you download the you app. Download it's built them. into yeah. the app. It's not online. Well, that's a so good idea. You, so mm. anybody that's out there, if you're hunting, there's no excuse. You don't have to bring a paper book with you. You mm-hmm. can have it right on your phone. You yeah. see a wolf, just double check. Something I've done for years is yeah. uh, you can all. You've always been able to get the for. PDF I've been format. hunting. You've yeah. always been able to get the PDF form of yes. the book yep. on yep. your yeah. phone. That's yeah. what I just download that when mm-hmm. it comes out, and I've always got it when I'm in the woods. I download that to, like, four different places on my phone. Yeah, right. So that, I've always, so that I know I've always or got a copy. Or just download it two or three uh, times. Yeah. That way, it's, yeah. it's there. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But, yeah, exactly. so always make sure you're in the right season. Always yes. check the regs. Yeah. I've known people that have yeah. not and just assumed, been, but and, you know, and they were a couple miles yeah. in it from a unit where it would have been legal. Yeah. And it cost them a bunch of heartache and money. And yeah. It's yeah. just annoying. Yeah. So, Exactly. Well, but a lot of these hunts are accessible by 
Snow machine. Snow machine. So we got to talk about the dangers of that and what we need to look <laughs> oh, yes. out for. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, predator hunting you can do, you can access through anything. So if you're trying to get into that this year, I mean, you don't need to have a snow machine. You can yeah. snowshoe oh, yeah. in somewhere. Yeah. I would recommend getting off of the road system. But you can hike off of the road system. You don't want to be near other houses and you stuff. You don't want to be near yep, houses. But yep. uh, you don't want to be, you know, near recreation areas and things like that. But, but yeah, don't. I mean, if if all you can do is just snowshoe in a mile or two to make a good mm-hmm. set, I mean, yep. that's nothing wrong with viable that. Option. There's been a lot of critters killed just like that. Yep, that's nothing wrong with that. But but if you do have a snow, but if you have a snow machine, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So what kind of sled do I want to have, Mariah? Okay, well, you do not want <laughs> the early 2000s heavy sled that was really popular for a while, or late 90s. Um, okay. so unless you're riding a trail all the time, you go in early, you break the trail, you keep it broken. Or Are you you're talking about like what you see staying like, on broken trails? using a lot? Somewhat. Um, yeah. Not necessarily only that. Um, you know, my dad for years had a Polaris, 90s Polaris long track wide track, which he had because it was a long track wide track. He hauled in a cabin, all kinds of stuff with piece that sled. Piece by piece, right? Yes, piece by piece. <laughs> I, I should hope well, so. <laughs> I mean, he, we would haul in a lot in one load. You can, sli- you can slide a lot along the ground. Oh, yeah. But he <laughs> would. But, get started. but if, if he had gone in, if his first time hitting that trail was in January. Yeah. Yes. He would have a terrible time breaking a trail with that sled. Mm. Right. And we're talking flatland. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I drove a 2000, year 2000 Polaris Indy 400 or 450 or something like that. And I loved that sled because I knew it. I knew the way that thing felt. I knew exactly how to ride it. But I couldn't ride mountains with that thing. Mm-hmm. I had to pin the throttle to get through powder, mm-hmm. you know. And my dad's long track, wide track would bury itself. Recently, <laughs> Dalton and I yeah. went on a caribou hunt. Yeah. Winter caribou hunt. With a guy who had a, um, I don't know, like a 06 Did Yamaha it? Bearcat or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Some, uh, I don't think it was called a Bearcat. Yamaha something or other, though, yeah. I think, it, was, I think it may have been a Bearcat. Is bear it really cat? a Bearcat? Yeah. The Bearcat's the big yeah. one. Yeah. I yeah. thought and that's that what was he had. the Arctic Cat. The, the wide track. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know if it's Yamaha. I just know that there is one called Bearcat. Well, all right. Well, you Arctic can settle this for all. Arctic Cat makes a Bearcat. Yamaha makes something else, but yeah. Anyway. anyway, see people, we, we learn as we go to. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and none Correct. of us are big sled heads either. Yeah, no. So. Okay, okay. Sled well, no. Okay, yeah. they make a s- ATV that's, they used to make an ATV called the Bear Tracker, Ooh. apparently. Well, but I was wrong. About. Yamaha Bearcat. Um, anyway. Anyhow, so no, not the Yamaha Bearcat. Or <laughs> Yes, Art. it is. No, is it Yamaha? No, it's Articat. You're right. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> back and forth. Oh, yeah, back and forth. Okay, yeah, it's so Articat, Bearcat, but he had a Yamaha, I believe. Yeah. Anyhow, it was like an 06 800 or something like that. Heavy sled. Yes. Two guys couldn't pick up the front of that thing. Three guys couldn't pick up the front of that thing, I believe. I mean, we had three of us, four of mm-hmm. us on that hunt. Yep. It was four of us. And, I mean, Dalton was riding one of his dad's old sleds. He's got a hoodie somewhere in here with one of the sleds <laughs> on an old tundra. <laughs> yeah. And uh his brother was riding an even older smaller one than that and I was riding a 90s Polaris um it was it would have been the mountain sled of its day but it was a 92 Polaris RXL 650 triple 
It, yeah. it, it was a it's a screaming sled. I sold it this past summer because I was you know I didn't need it, but it's a screaming sled. But it's not good for much else than trans than moving. You're not gonna really can't even hardly carry a backpack with you on it. Mm, yeah. Um. Because what was a long track then is a short track today. Viper. Is that what he had? I, I probably think, that I make think that sounds right. I think it's called a viper. If he listens to our podcast, he can write in and let us know why we were wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or when he sees us, you know, this next week, he'll so, let us so know. So these old sleds, what made them heavy? So, oh, well, this, a lot of this it's wasn't just, even that old of a sled necessarily. It wasn't. I think it was like an 06 or 07 yeah. or like maybe what, even 08. But just so people have an idea of what to look out for. Okay, so. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got it's a four-stroke for one thing. It was a four-stroke. The mm-hmm. four-stroke sleds don't have as much. They're a lot. They're, they get gutless. Um, they're quiet, but they're gutless. Explain what you mean by gutless. Um, I know what you mean. Our listeners don't. low torque. Yeah, mm. low torque. It's like a uh, you know you take a you take a gas pickup with a ten uh, cylinder engine in it in a diesel pickup with even a six cylinder engine in it. And that diesel pickup will be able to do a lot more than that gas pickup, especially when you're towing hills or weight, simply because of the amount of torque that the engine produces. Um, So when I say gutless, I'm talking about you step on the gas and... It's got no giddy-up. It's got... Exactly. You can have high RPM. It's a delayed reaction. Exactly. Delayed reaction is one of the biggest things. It's just the way they respond. And anybody who rides in the mountains knows that you need instant reaction on that Mm -hmm. throttle when you need to get yourself out of a deep, you know, a a deep pot. I'm sorry deep spot in the snow. Mm-hmm. Now, there are newer sleds that are heavy, yes. that but that have been designed and they've figured it out. More flotation. They've got flotation and mm. I've talked to people who have owned them and ridden them and said so so specifically you've got the um Skidoo Skidoo Scandix yep. and Expeditions. Yep. The original Skidoo Expedition when they first came out was a really decent sled, mm-hmm. but it still had a lot of problems with getting stuck. I think it was being gutless. Didn't that one the, have a 900 Ace? They they made them in a 900 Ace and a 600 E-Tech initially. Yes. Mm-hmm. The new Which, ones. I've heard that Ace motor is amazing. <laughs> it, it's but it is, it's a four but stroke. It, it's that delayed reaction okay. throttle. I prefer yeah. a two stroke mach- okay. engine yeah. in a sled. Um, now you've got the new Scandix. And Expedition Extremes. The mm-hmm. new Expedition Extreme. Don't they have an 850 now? Model? I don't know if they have an 850, but they probably have an 800 E Tech. I would. Well, they, they've had an 800 E Tech in the summits for forever. Well, yes, but, in the but summits. They, but, but they just got a new 850 in the summits. I oh, yeah. Know. The 850's been out for a few years yeah. now. And the 850's an absolutely insane motor. If you get yeah. one, great. If, yeah. if not, you do not need that much motor for <laughs> hunting. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a sweet, sl- sweet motor. I don't want to get too drawn out in this, but what I was going to say is. Don't buy, if you're going to buy an older sled because that's what you can afford, fine. Mm-hmm. That's great. But buy something light. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I would say max would be like like the old 400 that I would ride. Like mm-hmm. that I had, don't go buy an old long track, wide track. Unless all you're riding is flatland. If you're mm-hmm. riding flatland yep. and beat yep. trails, yep. you're not going to have too much of an issue. If you're mm-hmm. not going to be busting off into the really deep yeah. snow. We went up into the or hills. Or any kind of grade. With slightly packed trails. People had ridden that mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And we got a couple miles and turned around because we were going to drop into a valley, and we wouldn't have been able to get his sled out of that yeah. valley. Yeah, yeah, that guy that had the Yamaha yeah. sled, and, it, and w- w- it was getting stuck on a path. I don't want to blame him for messing trail. up our mm-hmm. hunt. No, 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 no. He, we all had a great time, and if you're listening, yeah, um, <laughs> if you're listening, 
we're not talking bad about you. We're just trying to advise people on sled, and I'm sure you would say the same thing. He sold that sled or traded it. Yeah. He got a sweet deal. I'm on the pretty trade sure he, he traded it for a side-by-side. A Can-Am side-by-side. Side I believe, side. yeah. He, he traded yeah. it for way more Alaskan than it was worth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was awesome. But And anyhow. he learned something from that. You know, oh, yeah. That, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that now he knew that sled wasn't capable of, of, of doing any kind of riding in that deep of snow or in any kind of a grade at all. On a pack trail type mm-hmm. of ride mm-hmm. where you're not breaking trail, as the saying goes, it'd be just fine. You, it would, you would have no issues. And a four-stroke gets better gas mileage. It lasts mm-hmm. longer. You don't have to rebuild they're it as quieter, often. They're quieter. They don't smell they as much. They are quieter, yes. But, no. but they're, Raw power? they do have problems starting up in the extreme cold, though. Mm-hmm. They can. Yeah. So if you watch, there's a hunting show in the Yukon territories that I watch sometimes called Greg McHale's Wild Yukon. He's a guide in, in the Yukon Territories, and he does a lot of these winter hunts, and he's connected with some of the guys at Kuyu, and he's done some winter bison hunts mm-hmm. on snow machines. And multiple times, they've taken four-stroke sleds and two-stroke sleds in on a hunting trip, mm-hmm. and come you know a, a night after 25, 30 below zero, the four-strokes won't start. Yep. The two-strokes will fire right up, but the, but the four-strokes won't. Mm-hmm. And so they'll have to put a wall tent with a wood stove over the sled oh, and, no. and let it sit for a few hours to thaw out before they can even start that four-stroke sled. So wow. that's something else to think about. If you're riding in extreme cold mm-hmm. and you're going to stay out at a cabin or hunt overnight somewhere in winter camp, you need to be aware of what uh, of of the minimum temperature that your sled will even start at. Yeah. You know, if the if the bottom drops out of the, of of the thermometer mm-hmm. while you're out hunting. Are you going to be able to get back out the next morning? Right. Well, right. and especially, I mean, in a lot of places, you're going to be using these. Yeah. I mean, the temperatures can swing yeah. 40 degrees they just can. from the top of the ridge to the bottom if of the If you're not going to yeah. be out I mean, overnight, yeah, you shouldn't have an issue. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have a boss that loved, or I had a boss that has a four-stroke sled, mm-hmm. and he loves it. He absolutely loves the four-stroke Do you know sled. what kind of sled it was? I don't remember. I believe it was a Skidoo, and it wasn't anything super new, but it wasn't super old either. Yeah, so, yeah. But he loved that sled. He likes to go on multi-day, week-long trail rides that mm-hmm. where he's busting trail from one city to another. And when we say one city to another in Alaska, we're talking distance. Village. We're yeah. talking village. Yeah. Or 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 you know even if you're yeah yeah village or or town or one small town, town to another, right? Yeah. And we're talking it can be hundreds of miles. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think one of my favorite crossover sleds. Sorry, sorry to yeah, here you're fine. Not. The Tundra Extreme. Yeah, yeah. I I think one of the best crossover sleds on the market that you can come across for a relatively reasonable amount of money is a Tundra Extreme or even just a regular old With, Tundra model. I would say 14 or newer. Probably in that. Uh, yeah, it, but what it, kind of price point are we looking at? With yeah, that? I was just gonna get off onto that. So anything newer than like a 2010 Tundra, mm-hmm. you're gonna be looking at closer to ten thousand bucks. Yeah. Um, if you're looking depends, at yeah. earlier than 2010, you can find something for five, six thousand bucks. And oftentimes, it's you know, and it, there are good and bad times of year to buy snow This machines. is a bad time of year. Yes. Everybody's yeah. looking for a The sweat. beginning of the winter is High always demand. a terrible time to buy a snow machine, especially if you're going used, because it's hard to find something brand new right now, yeah. as we all know. But anyway, I, I think that's one of my favorite sleds is, is, a, is a Tundra the variant tundra. of some sort or another. Yeah. Uh, it, they are kind of a crossover sled. You can do some 
riding in the mountains. You can do mm-hmm. a lot of trail riding with them. They are a little bit narrow for trail riding a lot for like a trapline sled. They are, they are they kind tip of tippy. over really easy. Mm. Now that translates to really easy that's, handling. Now that's in the a mountains. tundra extreme, Correct. not the regular the regular tundra does not tip over easy. Uh, compared one, to the, the Tundra Extreme. Yes, compared to the Extreme. The, because the, it doesn't the have regular the suspension one, travel. The regular 500 that I've ridden, uh, not, not the 650, 600 E-Tech. 550 fan. Yes, n- not the not the 600 E-Tech, but the 550 Rotax motor. Yep. Um, that one, I, I still found it relatively tippy, especially if you compare it to something like a Scandic. Uh, Correct. A Scandic 600 E-Tech would be a really good option. If, if you're looking for like a great trapline sled... <clears throat> I would almost go out and buy like a 600 E-Tech Scandic wide track. Right. I think that'd be a phenomenal trail I know trail a guy, I, I work with a guy who uh, has some con- contacts with some people. I, I think it's family. I don't remember exactly right now, but he, um, he I meant, we were talking about sleds the other day. I was like, you know, I, I, we were talking, we were just talking about more like ideal sled if we could get it. And yeah. I used to always say, oh, I want an Expedition Extreme. Like, that's a sweet sled. You can ride mountains. You can tow whatever you want in the flatland, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I've never ridden one. You know, the yeah. alternative to that, and the reason the Expedition Extreme actually was made by Skidoo was because Polaris came out with the um, Titan Adventure, I think. Okay. And that, <clears throat> when the Titan Adventure was released, it was the most, do you like that one? Yeah, no, he's kind of sitting here. But I went off. Anyway, sorry. Sorry if you're trying to keep it a secret. But, yeah. um, I just wasn't trying to interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, I didn't, it doesn't bother me. But I, when, that, when I saw that one, when I first saw that one came out, it was the best sled you could get in, that cro- in the crossover section. I remember that, mm. yeah. And, you know, I haven't ridden one. I've talked to people who have owned them and ridden them and said it floats on the snow. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. people's like, you actually have to kind of work. Now, I'm sure in the mountains that the gap oh, can yeah. change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, and it has all the power because it's got a big four-stroke. Sorry, but, I mean, two-stroke. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, mm, but. Two-stroke. I do not want a snow machine with a four-stroke. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I've heard too much, too many problems. They're hard to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Well, and the difference could be. they don't have that power. Yeah, the, the difference could be day riders that are going down to summit. Oh, oh just, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Versus guys that are running trap lines for days. are quieter. They don't smell as bad. Personally, the snow yeah. machine exhaust smell is what I grew up with. <laughs> the two-stroke yeah. sled exhaust is just like... It's, That's like me it's like, using an electric chainsaw. I like oh, it, absolutely. but I really miss yeah. the smell of a burning bar exactly. oil smell. It's really you know? nice, especially when you're doing some interior demo. You can grab your DeWalt or Milwaukee chainsaw <laughs> or whatever you use and go... Rah, rah, rah. But when you do that... How does that go, Mo? Rah, rah. That actually sounded more like a snow machine, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But <laughs> when, you, when you break out that... Uh, Two stroke old. <laughs> two, when you, you can't bring this steel to a demo party in somebody's oh, you house can. on a construction Oh, you project. can, but. <clears throat> the neighbors might complain. It's a good way to get it's kicked loud. out of the job site. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I've actually done that or not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's loud and, and it gets smelly quick. <laughs> oh, uh, this boy. has definitely been a fun episode, it guys. It has. <laughs> yeah. so, so break it down okay. for me here, real quick. So. Someone like that's just trying to get out in the woods, right? Someone mm-hmm. who's looking at not spending twenty grand on a 
brand new machine. By a 1984 right. but somebody, Bravo. <laughs> but somebody that wants Don't to be able that to <laughs> potentially ride some trapline trails, uh-huh. if they get that lucky to find one that's not already used by somebody else. Yeah, right. Um, I know of several, but you're not going to get them to go from out me. there. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. No. <laughs> uh, but wants to be able to go out and you know chase caribou, right. yeah. get into these some of these late season moose hunts maybe. Kind of a do-it-all hunting sled and isn't so much focused. Maybe wants to do a little bit of just cutting down and mm-hmm. summit. But, I mean, for the most part, it's focused on getting into the woods and hunting. Hunting, what, trapping. What, what features would you look for in, in that style of wow. sled? Yeah. Light enough that you can pick up at least one end or the other by yourself. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if it's even if you're even if it's a deadlift, snow, yeah. you need to be able to reach down with both hands and pick the front up physically by yourself and As, move it. Unless over. you're always going to be on a party hunt, yeah, mm. you need to be able to pick the front of that machine up and at least get it up yeah, but, and move but, it over. But what if your friend falls off and gets hurt or something? Yeah, right. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Even if you're riding double, absolutely. you can't always rely on having help there right. because yep. at some now, point somebody's said, not going to be able to help you. You should also always have a some type of small collapsible shovel. That stays yes. on your machine. Yes. Don't grab it and shovel your driveway or throw it in your vehicle and throw it back and forth because then you're going to get, get a shovel that stays on your machine. Yep. Now, are you talking like an old military e-tool or are you talking like Whatever works for now? you. Well, because that's not a whole lot of the, surface area. The old, <laughs> the, the old military e-tools that he's yeah. talking about are like <laughs> that big of a I know, shovel. I know what he's talking about. It's better than nothing, but your hand <laughs> can do that. Ideally, go so. buy, you can buy them fairly low priced. You can buy yourself a lightweight aluminum collapsible yes. handle. Handle yeah. slides into the shovel, yeah. throw it in your bag. Attach it to the sled somehow. Put it on a sled yep. box or something. You yep. know, yep. Ha- have have some extra you survival thing, gear in a sled box. One thing I miss about the older sleds, the really old ones, mm-hmm. was the fact that you could pick the seat up. Yeah. And throw stuff under it. Mm. Some of the newer ones still have a flap on the back yeah. that you can slide stuff in. Yeah. Um. But yeah, a lot of most of them, you got a bag or something with you. If you can't keep it in there, um, ideally you've got it attached to the machine with like a right. bungee cord or a piece right. of wire. Right. You know, you make that dedicated spot for it, and you know, and maybe, and maybe we can look into this. But there might even be somebody that makes a, an attachment for something like that. That's, yeah, that is, is dedicated for that. Yeah, have a shovel. Consider um, a rope along too. But when, yes. if I was gonna pick, <laughs> if I was gonna pick an ideal budget priced sled for somebody who's gonna go solo and is isn't looking to ride in powder but needs to be able to get across the top of it mm-hmm. in, in a situation, caribou hunting or something. A Tundra. Not yeah. the Tundra Extreme, but a Tundra. Just about any year of Tundra. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you're back to the yeah. 90s like your dad has. Yeah, yeah. Up to... Yeah, up to any of the newer ones, really. And you know that th- there's a reason why those old Tundras and the Tundra twos from yep. the from the early 90s and even into the late 90s, they still go on Craigslist for like five thousand dollars. A lot of money. Yeah. And that's because you can pick the thing up all by yourself. Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> even sometimes if if I want to borrow it for a weekend, mm-hmm. when I go to pick it up from from his house, I don't even ride it up a ramp. I just I have my right. brother come out there and we just pick the whole thing up and put it in the truck. <laughs> literally one yeah. guy picks up the front, one guy picks up the back yeah. and you slide it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's and, the older that, tundras. You're not going to do that with yes. the you know oh five and newer. Yeah. You're but, not going to yeah. do it with a 550 or bigger. But right. that being said, you can still maneuver those around enough to where if you're by yourself and you get it in trouble, you can get yourself back out of it. That being said, if you're especially going with that kind of a sled, two-stroke. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if the option is there, a uh, a fuel-injected 
you know, like a oh um, yeah, yeah, you know the two the 550 fans not fuel injected. Yeah, but still a great motor. Yeah, it's a for it's a motor that runs forever. Yeah, they can be hard to keep tuned right. Yeah, they can really suck fuel if they're not tuned right. Yeah, um, you know, and that's a motor that both Polaris and Skidoo use have used a lot. Um, in a lot of different sled models, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I. I think that's spot on. I I, mm. I would have said the exact same thing. Mm. I I think that early to mid two thousands Tundra, it's right. affordable. They're yep. around. There are parts for them. They're relatively easy to work on. There's not any computerization to them. Yeah, and they're Nothing. really reliable. Right. Right. They're they're, yeah. they're just good if, reliable sleds. If the old sled that I had was something like that, I mm. probably would have kept it. But what mm. I had just wasn't practical for anything i mean you could go yeah. on a hunt on it yeah but you weren't putting the meat anywhere on it yeah you, if you yeah. had a sled behind you you weren't gonna be able to pull it anywhere yeah. so it, how hard would it be to like rebuild one of these things if you were to find a good deal on a on an old if one? you have like an 05 550 rotax or a like 90s that, yeah. if you easy, have the knack snow easy. machines are one of the easiest things My, to yeah, do I was just going to say, on. my dad has one torn apart in his garage right now. He has a couple of different sleds, and none of them are brand new. They're all yeah. 90s models and early 2000s sleds. I spent some time sleds, with a guy up in and the And he's village done you know, what some has... folks would consider pretty major work mm-hmm. regularly. And oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not that difficult. Most yeah. of them, he gets into them, you can break it down, pull that motor out, break that motor down, yep. clean it up, pop some new piston rings on there. Mm-hmm. Fairly quickly, if you have a few days, you yeah. can dedicate to it. Especially, you can have that yeah. whole sled. You can have every bolt off of that sled yeah. and back on it in yep. a week if you have the time to dedicate to yep. it. Exactly. Yep. Well, and that's the thing is because and I, then I, I, and then you know the ins and outs exactly. Out. Yeah. And now anything that happens out there, yeah. you already know how to take it apart. Now, not mm-hmm. that you want to do it in twenty mm-hmm. below, but you can get extracted, come back in with a frost fighter or something, you know, like a big burner heater. Oh yeah. yeah, and put a little hot tent over it and do it if you have to, I, yeah. or or you can tow it out and do it at home. But but and if you have to do right. a field repair, there are guys that do that. Just for fun, yeah. I got one more sled story. Go for it. Absolutely. Uh, I was going in. I don't even know that we were going to go hunting. Maybe we did some predator calling when we were in there. It was me and one other buddy. Um, that you know well. Yes, it was him. Okay. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I know the we, story. We were going in to a buddy's cabin. Um, another buddy's cabin. It wasn't his, but it was a good friend of mine that I had. You know, I would go out to his cabin and stay at it and, you know, help him out getting out there in moose season and stuff. But wintertime, it was usually a pretty easy run to get out there. But if I remember right, this was the first time I'd been out there, so I hadn't broken trail yet. Yeah. During the wintertime. During the wintertime. And there's this, there. cr- correct, yeah. there's this creek you cross yeah. that's a pain in the summer. It's a pain in the winter when you first cross it. Once you cross it once in the winter and you get the trail broke in that spot, it's usually not an issue. But the mm-hmm. problem is it's a weird creek. I mean, a lot of stuff, we talked about that creek on that bear bait that, you know, yeah, it's 10, 15 feet wide and 8 foot, mm-hmm. 10 foot deep, and the whole thing freezes solid. Mm-hmm. This creek, 2 feet wide, <laughs> 2 feet deep, you know, with like 4 or 5 foot banks, it stays open and flowing all winter uh, long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it's five miles from this other creek. So I don't know why it's near the mountains or the hills. Yeah. yeah. You know, all this kind of stuff. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. There's other stuff we cross going in there that freezes solid that's a lot bigger. Anyway. I have no idea if this is anyhow, yeah. That that's just a maybe, weird thing. Maybe but that's why it's small and fast moving. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, I don't know, or if there's 
not that some, fast though, but there's got to be like some a kind hot of hot spring or yeah. yeah. Anyhow, and it flows into a bigger river, not too much further down. But there's multiple places the trail crosses this creek. But getting across the creek itself, just because the banks are steep, mm. you can get into it. But getting out's a pain. <laughs> Anyhow, we. I'm trying to remember what was wrong with it. Oh, that's right. Was that the time that he had the coolant issue? No. <laughs> it time. wasn't. That was a different time. <laughs> or it, maybe it was all the same time, but that's not what sticks out. But he had he, ha- he had just gotten his sled back, and okay. I don't know if he'd worked on it or his brother had worked on it. Anyhow, we get out there, and it's like, man, this thing's way much louder than it should be. It's not running right. So I pull the thing off, and w- we're at the truck still. And <laughs> the uh, exhaust... Um, Muffler was like detached yeah. from no, the the uh, that's right. It wasn't the muffler. The manifold was detached from the motor. Wow! So we like wired it into place, if I remember right. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, and it ran a lot better. And uh, really? we get to that creek, and it was a pain to get through that creek. Yeah, because it hadn't been broken yet. So you'd get down there, and your track would just spin out. So you kind of just got to get down and get a couple guys pushing the sled. Right, and it'll come out. So we do that. <laughs> And we're right, and the trail's a little kind of up and down and back and forth next to the creek for a little ways before it goes up the hill. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he um, somehow rolls his sled. He catches something. He rolls his sled into the creek. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) On its side. on, And it's kind of like sitting on the ice. And, you know, like I said, it's only a couple feet deep, so it's not a dangerous thing. It's just a really sucky situation. And... (laughs) And I'm not trying to blame him for all this by any no. means. It's just it's just the kind of stuff that happens. But <laughs> we <laughs> we get it rolled back over and I think we got it out. Or maybe we hadn't got it. We were trying to get it started. I think we just we, we rolled it upright because it was like upside down. Did it down. stay running after it flipped or no, is this old no, carbureted it, version? No, this was a this was like a this 06 was an 06 summit. summit. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. So it was a really decent sled. And honestly, folks, that's not a bad sled. Those mid-year summits, if they weren't ripped super hard, not are, a bad reliable. Are those ones EFI or are those carbureted still? Depends on the one. Most of them are carbureted. Yeah. That... But uh, fun fact, my 1992 Polaris was actually fuel injected. But wow. <laughs> 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 um, one of the first models they made. But anyhow. So so it wouldn't start. So it wouldn't start. It, and we couldn't. Anyhow, turned out there was a screw missing on his... um. <laughs> Um, pull start. Okay. Because that's all it had was a pull start. You had to pull the uh, muffler off to get to the pull start. <laughs> which in turn, you pull that muffler out. You get you you push on the pull start so it would engage. You pull oh. it. You'd start it, and then you're sitting there by this exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, and you push the muffler back on so it's quiet and you're not getting your eardrums blown out. As I recall, though, to get it out of there, we had to roll that slow. We got it upright, and we rolled it back over top of itself up the bank to get it back up onto the trail. Anyhow. Did it have a windshield after that? Or no, that one didn't have much of a windshield at all, I don't know if it had a windshield when he even took it out there. That's right. That's right. if it did have one, it broke off when he rolled down at first. So we looked at the windshield. It's like, well, the windshield doesn't matter. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Cool story. I hope I never have to do that again. <laughs> but um, anyhow, yeah, yeah. and and uh, maybe and maybe the um, the coolant issue may have been the next day on the way out. I think we stayed out there yeah. one night because of those issues we had with his sled. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyhow, though. it was a fun time. Yep. Good well, times. 
Anyhow, Lessons learned. Yeah. yeah. The important things to, to know when you're going to be heading out there, especially if you're going to be out there for bring extra warm more than gear. a day pack. Oh, yeah. Bring oh. extra warm gear. Bring fire starter. Yeah. Have a way to cut yourself some firewood if you end up stranded. Yeah. And, and, and we've talked about that and before. And bring it in reach. Having a, you, yeah. some kind of a survival kit with yeah. you at all times. Especially when you're, when you're on a sled. There's yeah. no reason not and, and, to have. Yes. You know, and we'll go. We'll cover that more in detail in a future extra, episode. <laughs> extra spark really plugs. I mean, like, yeah. that yeah. can be huge. Extra bell. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So... I just want to take a second here, and before we, we wrap up, just to thank everyone that's been been listening and sharing and, mm-hmm. and interacting with us on our socials and emailing us. I mean, we get we try to re- respond to all the emails and messages we get on, on socials and stuff like that when we can. We all have very busy lives, but mm-hmm. we, we are trying to get back to you guys. And I mean, I'm personally just blown away by the response we've gotten from, from it's a been lot very of, good much yeah. more than i think yeah. any of us expected to be doing this well this quick yeah so thank thank you guys everybody i'm sure everybody else yeah feels the same way yeah absolutely and uh yeah so keep keep it up i mean you know let us know like mo said he's got the the contact us button there on the website i mean that'll take it directly to our our emails and if you have anything you want us to to cover in future articles or future mm-hmm. episodes of the yeah. show let us know we'll be more than happy to to address that if you have any corrections for us let us know and honestly if you like the show i mean share this with your friends share it to your yeah. your facebook yeah. I mean, yeah. um, if you actually go if you go to the website under every article that we post there is a share button there as well so yes. if you like right. our articles uh, on gear reviews or any kind of ballistics anything you can go in there hit the share button and send it to your instagram or your facebook and we're just having so much fun doing this. It's so, a blast. Yep. Stay tuned because our next episode should be possibly our recordings from camp on our deer hunt. Yeah. Maybe. While, you're, list- while yeah. you're listening to Either this. Either the next one or the one after that. We'll mm-hmm. be slaying deer yeah. while yeah. you're listening to this. Well, don't <laughs> jinx us, Mo. <laughs> but, yeah, we will be out there getting soaked and hunting yep. sick of black-tailed deer in southeast. So Living it. Yeah, we'll be out there trying to create killing, some more killing, content. Killing, yeah. <laughs> killing anything we can find that's legal. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> yep. Basically again. just black-tailed deer and brown bears, but you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you never know. You know. Yeah, anything that comes along. You know. Yeah, yeah. just just opportunistic. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, all right. Well, well hey, thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we'll see you next week. Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction, and how I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration. The 
effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you. These bullets have amazing BCs and have specialized pressure groups built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1800 feet per second, which allows for long range shots, but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure.